welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and I am, uh, well, I'll be frank, I'm tired. <laughs> um, I'm actually recording this episode of the show fairly uh, close to publishing time here. It's about... Roughly 1 a.m. on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, as you, uh, however you'd like to delineate that here on the West Coast. And um, there's a good reason why I'm recording this show um, this late. Um, well, multiple reasons, actually. One, um, uh, my mental health is um, fluctuating, and I've had more uh, nights where I'm up at this hour. <laughs> the normal uh, the quarantine definitely definitely getting to to me and uh I'm still pulling still making doing pretty well but um but yeah like it's definitely messed up with my sleepy schedule a little bit and um I don't know it's just made for some uh some nights where it's kind of peaceful around me here in in my apartment um uh, but not necessarily the same um, outside of my apartment or uh, in my head. So um, I like to be transparent with people here. And uh, yeah, that's just where I'm at right now. But um, the other reason why I am recording a show, um, probably the latest that I have done ever since I recorded um, part of a show in the uh, Nashville airport <laughs> at like four in the morning, uh, fun Christmas trip. Um, was, is because around this time is whenever, um, protests here in Portland that have gone on over 60 days now at this point, um, tended to, to, um, dissipate, um, you know, everything that sparked up from, um, the murder of George Floyd, um, we saw the nationwide protests, we covered them here on the show, um, shout out Russell Rogue, Devon Monroe, and, uh, uh, Chris Kazama, uh, for having that discussion with, with me, uh, uh, a couple months back at this point, but, um, do all those things still rage here on the streets of Portland, I mean, we the city's been in the news, um, for having, you know, federal officers here for a while, um, you know, that presence has diminished a bit, but, you know, people being pulled off of the streets um, into unmarked vehicles by officers that would not identify what organization they were with. Um, we had journalists being attacked. We had protesters being attacked. We had, you know, people getting sent to ICUs um, through the use of uh, what they, the law enforcement officers term uh, non-lethal, but let's be real, um, if you're aiming a rubber bullet at somebody's head, that's definitely not non-lethal. Um, but this is just something that's been, that's a, a given, and, and it's a, it's a current state here in the city that I'm in, and, you know, it's one of those things where the news cycle definitely, you know, there was, it, it died down after the initial wave of protests about a week or two, um, kind of like fell back the same the way that the 24-hour news cycle tends to do, um, despite latching on this to this one thing for as long as it did, and then it bubbled back up once the the issues with the federal officers in Portland came back up, and and it is also 
kind of tailed down a little bit as the federal presence here has diminished, even though there's still plenty of issues locally um, going on in terms of the relationship between the police department here and the, uh, the protesters that are still out every night in full force, hundreds to thousands of them, um, just pushing at least the city that they, what we have control over right now, the city to address the racial equity issue that um, exists, not just in Portland, but across this nation. Um, and the reason, like, being up at this hour, like, you know, I haven't been able to go out to protests for a while now. Um, I, I was out there standing alongside thousands of others, um, I think, during the one of the, the first weeks. Um, and it was a, a sight to see, but I've been, you know, I am, um, I guess if I'm being transparent about my mental health, I can be transparent about my physical health. I, uh, suffer from asthma, very, very bad, uh, case of asthma, have my whole life, um, and unfortunately, uh, whenever there is a respiratory disease <laughs> that is, uh, encompassing the world, um, and is especially worse in our nation. Um, it kind of deters someone from with with these kind of pre-existing conditions from uh, going out in the public. You know, I, if you've been on the the outsport Zoom calls with us here um, that we did during the summer, um, you probably heard me talk about like the some of the labor organizing that I've been doing with um, some of my former coworkers at at Voodoo Donut here in Portland, a, a Portland staple that um, fired all of its all of its uh, uh, staff that's not salaried at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and right as we were uh, going public with our unionization efforts there. And, you know, I've gone out to, I think, two um, pickets since then. Um, those are really the only two times I've gone out um, outside of like, you know, going to the grocery store or, um, you know, for necessity stuff. Um, and even then, like, I, I'm very fearful of that. So, and it, and it bothers me because I want to be out there more, um, standing alongside the rest of my city and, and pushing for what we want, whether it be, you know, the, the labor issues that we're trying to work out with the, the Donut Workers United movement, or, you know, especially when it comes to the racial equity stuff, like trying to stare down the PBB here in Portland and, um, and, and move things in the, in a positive direction. Um, that all said, I, that's the preamble here to what you are probably guessing we're going to be talking about today based off of the title of this show. Um, I talk about the protest movement because it's in the wrestling news now because WWE has decided that, um, like so many other things that they've done in the past when it comes to, uh, storyline material they have taken something from the real world whether it be something from like within their own sphere of wrestling their relationships that their wrestlers have you know issues bore out of the locker room and that sort of thing or things culturally outside of the company and they are bringing them in packaging them up in their own way and putting them back out um and and while this process has really produced uh, it's produced some compelling stuff 
um, a la like the Edge Matt Hardy Lita situation that we saw um, back in 2005 ish. Um, you know, it's, it's produced stuff like that that's been compelling. You know, where all parties agreed to have something worked out around that issue and and have it be played out in storyline form on television. Um, but more, far more examples of this um, have really proven frustrating, insulting, and um, in many ways offensive. Um, and this <laughs> retribution, WWE's new masked faction, um, falls into uh, the latter of that, I would say. So for those not familiar with, with what retribution is, um, basically a few weeks ago, um, WWE teased a new faction that would be showing up on Raw. And that faction basically consisted of a few people dressed in all black with, uh, ski masks on, um, throwing a Molotov cocktail at something and then jump and then celebrating the destruction that they pulled off. Um, and it was announced, uh, the next day, I believe that the name of that group was Retribution, um, and since then, they've shown up on Raw and SmackDown to basically just destroy property and celebrate the fact that they're destroying property. And, I mean, including, like, what, like throwing a cinder block, two cinder blocks, I'm sorry, throwing two cinder blocks through the window of the Performance Center down in Orlando, um, which I... Th- sidebar real quick hilarious to me because the first cinder block broke the window and then they just threw the second one because they had it i guess um uh to like you had i think they stormed the ring um at the end of smackdown last week with and like with baseball bats just hitting like the plexiglass barricades and like making noise and beating up people and uh, they took a chainsaw to the ring ropes as a way as like a means of destruction like destroying I guess a system can't see the air quotes I'm making when I say that but um uh, and then celebrating like they they had like done something great all these different segments they just end with them destroying something WWE related and then celebrating that they destroyed something and then running off and um you know, it's not that hard to see what this is supposed to be representing. It's not it's not that hard to see where the inspiration for retribution comes from. It's coming from the protest movements that we've saw in every major metropolitan area across this city um, over the past two months. It's coming from the continued protest movements that we're seeing that aren't being covered as much. You know, it's, even the protest movements in like the rural communities are they're lumped into this because it's just it's all about um, taking what you're seeing on TV from the Black Lives Matter movement, from other racial equity movements, and um, basically boiling it down to a bunch of people dressed in all black, masked with weapons coming in, destroying property, celebrating that they're destroying property, and then running off with no clear message or no clear motive for what they're doing. Um, And I'll be real. um, (laughs) It doesn't surprise me at all that WWE is doing this, knowing that the history that they have with this stuff, as well as like the, the, 
the political ethos that that company really puts out there from from a, from the top down. Like, you know, I've ever since coming to Outsports, you know, I've covered the good and the bad with WWE. While and one of my first pieces that I wrote for this site was talking about, you know, their how their relationship with Saudi Arabia, a country that still criminalizes homosexuality, uh, punishable by death, um, there in many instances, um, and then their and their interpretations of masculinity it's in and of itself on their programming and and what they believe should be played up for jokes, as well as um, you know turning queer identities into into just basically fodder for humor. Like, no real substance to them at all. They're just there to either sensationalize or draw a chuckle out of the crowd. Um, and But at the same time, you've had plenty of good from, from an outsports perspective, where there have been a number of LGBTQ uh, wrestlers that have been signed to the company over, in the past year, uh, most notably Jake Atlas and Mercedes Martinez. You had... Um, you know, a number, uh, well, maybe not a number, but at least, you know, one or two people come out um, underneath the WWE banner um, in the past year. Tegan Knox, uh, Piper Niven um, being two notable examples there. Um, and, you know, like, they've done some stuff right here and there. Have they, they haven't done a, a lot right when it comes to that, to, to, um, cultural uh, representation in that way, but they they have done a couple of things right here and there. So I will give them a thumbs up for that stuff. But um, fast forward now to Retribution, and Retribution just... Is, there's a sour taste left in my mouth looking at that from multiple different perspectives. One, there's a lot of theories going around about who... The, the retribution faction is going to consist of and you know the prevailing theory among viewers and fans alike is that um, you know this all will somehow tie into the bevy of releases that we saw at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic back in April where we had probably the largest talent purge from that company at the worst possible time for the majority of people basically everyone except for the executives at the company um you know we saw like dozens of of wrestlers be let go from contracts we saw producers being let go from contracts we saw producers being furloughed there were corporate employees being furloughed referees were let go mike kyoto who popped up on dynamite tonight um, was let go after like 30 plus years at that company uh, at WWE so like it was a it was like not a, a light thing to take um, especially considering how financially solvent the company is right now uh, whenever you have basically a billion dollars coming your way in TV contracts with after they signed the deal for Smackdown coming to Fox last year um, like they're very, very financially stable in that way, but they had to fire and furlough all these people so that they could keep the company afloat amid uh, the coronavirus, which uh, is, you know, was rightfully called out then by myself and plenty of other people in the wrestling media and fans and and everyone alike, um, and then got reinforced even more so. Uh, 
a week or two now at this point, um, whenever ago, whenever WWE released their quarterly results, and basically everyone realized that they had their most profitable quarter ever amidst the global pandemic. Uh, the company pulled in $43 million in profit. And, uh, you know, they cited the release of, of, of all those talents as part of the contributing force to all that money going to the shareholders there, uh, which, uh, you know, a notable, uh, notable among the shareholders, one Vince McMahon, who owns the majority of the stock um, uh, of the company there. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it speaks to just lining your pockets, and, and all of this happening amidst, like, the, dec- the a severe decline in ratings for Raw and SmackDown, um, and just basically everything except for the television contracts really trending downward for the company, uh, in terms of both their, like, public appeal, um, their, um, any like emotional response that I think fans are taking from the company right now. Like there's just not a lot to be excited about with WWE. Like there's bits and pieces here and there, but overall they haven't really given people much to chew on so much so that, you know, we've seen like record low numbers for raw, but at the same time they're pulling in the most money that they have in a quarter while they're pulling in the lowest viewership that they've ever had on their television programming. So like, you have all of that set up to now like move into this idea that oh well maybe the retribution people are have some tie in to the people that were let go from the company now set aside that a number of those people have already found jobs elsewhere whether it be impact all elite wrestling new japan you know whatever um but like just the fact that they that there is an angle going on in that company that preys on on that uh, alone, that preys on these people that had their livelihood taken away from them at the exact worst moment whenever the country was shutting down initially. You know, when people thought we were going to be shut down for a few weeks, maybe a, a month or two, and then we would be back stronger than ever. That obviously hasn't played out um, the way that many people thought it would. And... WWE, every month has passed with people in lockdown that that decision has looked worse and worse and worse um, in terms of how public perception of the company in and of itself. You know, you're a shareholder, that's perfectly fine. You, you're you getting that s- a sweet dividend off of that. But at the same time, the company has been incredibly disappointing in that. And, and to have a, a group come in and kind of prey off of that sentiment um, is super frustrating in and of itself because it basically boils down the the anger and the frustration that you received from your fan base and from people that are you know follow your company and follow the people that wrestle for you closely to see that be devalued in a way where we're just going to turn this into a storyline that is likely not going to pay off in that way but it's a way that they can tease it to maybe pull in viewership now the retribution stuff hasn't been pulling in the viewership i'll go ahead and put that out there but it's their attempt to try and do something like that to, to capitalize off of that in a way even if it's not their plan for the for the group the people that the fact that people are responding to the group in that way um is the source of that frustration in and of itself put that aside and let's just look at the cultural representation of this because basically they are 
this is... I don't want to give WWE enough credit to be a political force for devaluing and reducing the uh, cultural impact of the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests that we have seen in the name of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McCain, you know, so many other people, Tony McDade, so many other people that have been shot, that have been shot, killed, hurt, injured um, at the hands of law enforcement, um, not just throughout the past couple of months, but, you know, prior to that. And even after that, you know, like these these movements have inspired a lot of change. You know, we've seen like we've seen police forces be defunded completely or partially. Uh, we've seen you know many many metropolitan areas uh, respond in in positive ways to address the the increasing aggressiveness and militarization. Um, of their police departments, as well as um, their, you know, their attitudes towards policing um, minorities and, and groups that are disproportionately affected by um, police brutality. Um, it hasn't caught on everywhere, but it's caught on in some places. And in the fact that it's caught on in some places um, is great, and and it's something to be celebrated. Um, it's even if it doesn't go as far as we want it to, because personally it hasn't f- for me. Um, but you know, one step at a time. Hopefully, the other steps will keep going forward. Um, but I say all that to say that basically WWE's retribution stable um, is a reductive representation that plays into a media narrative that I would argue um, a lot of the people running WWE. Uh, either one believe uh, already, like they just that's just their how they see these groups um, personally, or B how they want these groups to be seen. Um, whether they recognize that they are actually, you know, I would say for the majority peaceful protesters um, that are out in the streets that are calling for the for these um, changes to be made and and are basically the victims of the actions by law enforcement when it comes to the use of like you know rubber bullets um you know audio machines or um you know pepper spray tear gas all that all all of the different measures that they've used against people in the streets here um it's just it's just so so incredibly frustrating to see a company like this, use their machine, their media machine, to basically continue a false narrative in that way, to basic, to characterize these equity movements and these protest movements that only want to have their voices heard and have their voices actually addressed and their wants and needs addressed. They are fight. They are literally protesting for their lives to be protected and actually valued in society. And WWE has taken that, put it into a Big Mac wrapper, balled it up, and unwrapped a group of people who are basically mute outside of screams and grunts and celebrate random acts of violence with no motivation, no stated reason, and 
no real sense of of message behind anything. Like the fact that they are they're, they're basically taking the worst parts, the parts that were covered in media narratives, um, you know, basically used to devalue the protest movements. You know, so many people have looked at the protests and been like, well, there are people out there looting and vandalizing and 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 cr like crashing windows at stores and attacking store owners and blah 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 and all this other stuff and like yes some of that that stuff has happened but you know that does not define these movements at all you know like to to focus on that is to negate all of the work that is actually being done like you're taking a like 2% portion of what's been happening in this country and blowing that up to 90% of the coverage. Whereas, you know, I've been out marching with people on the streets where we're just, we are completely peaceful. We are trying to stop people from, you know, just randomly destroying property. Now, at the same time, I'm not going to say that, you know, the, the destruction of property is a poor way to protest, you know, in a, in a country where, you know, especially people that don't look like me, you know, people of color, BIPOC voices have been told so many times that they, the way that they protest isn't the right way, whenever it's the exact same way that other communities have protested, where, or they're, you know, completely nonviolent ways. Like, if you keep telling people and moving that goalpost of what defines the proper way to protest, you're going to end up pushing people to revolt in that way. And revolt is a valid form of protest. You know, if you keep telling people that they that they have to, you know, stand on the sidewalk or get out of the street or just find different ways to undercut the movement, the movement will find a way and you're not going to like it. It's the same thing that we saw happen in L.A., um, in '92, to Rodney King, or in in the same thing that you've seen in multiple other places across this nation, um, like there's a reason why people feel so desperate to have their voice heard that they have to break a window. And yes, there there are people mixed in with those movements that let loot and stuff like that. Those don't define the movement. They never have. No matter what media narrative wants to be put out there, they never have, at the core of these movements, defined them. And in WWE's mind, it is the exact opposite. The only thing that defines them is a random need to destroy, to attack a power structure with no meaning behind it, just because they think it's cool. Um, which also speaks to like how WWE, WWE presents their their group in a lot of ways, you know, like the fact that I have to watch these people go out there and destroy something and celebrate that they destroyed something, like whether they overturned a car or you know chainsawed a ring rope uh, apart or whatever, like it's like they are out there celebrating, not because they're destroying WWE property or they're fighting back against whatever system the WWE is supposed to represent in this case, um, but because it's, they think it's fun. Protesting, parts of protesting are fun. 
the communal aspect is fun. Lending your voice to a movement that is direly needed in this country um, is fun. Being supportive of your fellow man is fun. But just throwing a Molotov cocktail at something with no rhyme or reason, with no thought behind it, that isn't fun. It's reductive. It's dumb. And it is callous. And it tells all of the people, the people that are still watching Raw, the 1.5 to 1.6 million people that it's pulling in right now on a weekly basis, it's telling them that this is what this movement is. It's pushing this idea that retribution is is basically like what we're seeing in the streets. And what we're seeing in the streets is retribution. They're not out there to change anything. They're just out there to cause chaos. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And the fact that you know there are plenty of people that are able to discern between storyline and reality. There are plenty of people that look at retribution and they're like, yes, this is a, this is a storyline that is either not entertaining or frustrating um, to watch. Or, you know, in my case, like it delves deeper. It, it dives down to a core that I look that I face like outside of my fucking window. Um, it affects friends of mine. It affects like me. It devalues those experiences to watch this happen, and it preaches that devaluation to the audience watching it. It makes them take this idea of retribution and put that onto what they see on the news onto what they see in the streets. Um, and it's knowing what people that are in my life have gone through outside on the streets of Portland. Um, and just even just watching from from my home office here where I, just trying to stay on top of stuff. Um, it's incredibly infuriating and um, it hurts it hurts to see like I, and it hurts to see a movement that is so sorely needed and, and it has been so powerful in a short amount of time um, com- especially com- when you compare to you know how long the Black Lives Matter movement has really been in full force in this country um, it's a shame to see, and and I really hope that it doesn't, you know, color the ideas of people that watch Raw towards these movements in the long term. I hope that people are more people are able to discern these sort of things, and I hope it doesn't um, give them. Most importantly, I hope it doesn't give them the credence to 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 cry these movements any more so than they might already be or or push them away from trying to learn about what these movements are trying to, to accomplish 
Um, you know, I street. <laughs> I've seen videos. You know, people here in Portland, streets in New York, multiple places where people have been, you know, completely peaceful and just been attacked by law enforcement, pulled into unmarked vehicles, being detained without being told what they're being arrested for. You know, I'm I'm happy that our our new district attorney here in Portland, Mike Schmidt, has basically said that the majority of protesters arrested aren't going to be prosecuted, um, and that all those charges are going to be dropped. You know, um, and that that's awesome to see, and I'm glad I'm glad that it's happening, and I hope that you know more DA offices across the the, the country take that attitude when it comes to the arrest of protesters. Um, right now, especially considering how um, subjective a lot of uh, law enforcement has been when it comes to, you know, defining why they're arresting people or defining resist what resisting arrest means and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just the fact that this stuff is coming into wrestling now it, it, it I don't know. WWE, I think that's the, the one real takeaway right now is that, like, who's shocked? I'm certainly not. I'm not shocked that they thought they saw something that they could capitalize on that might get them some buzz. That if they thought it would be a cool idea, that's, I mean... Knowing how the, the majority of people at that company have been approaching storytelling over the past like five to ten years, even further back than that, but it's been especially frustrating in the past five to ten years. Um, it should come as no surprise that they wanted to try and do something like this, and um, it also should come as no surprise that it is failing in the way that it is, and it is devaluing the lives of the people that are out on the streets as I'm talking right now the people out by the Justice Center or any of the other spots that they normally gather down there whether it be like Pinder Square or Grant Park or whatever um, it's devaluing the journalists that are being attacked you know um, it's, it's, de it's devaluing the memories of the people that have lost their lives that pushed these movements to where they are now. If you're willing to distill a cultural, political movement that only wants to address a systemic issue, a systemic use of violence and discrimination against a group of people in this country, if you want to use that to try and push some new heel group that thinks that that the extent of their Antifa awareness is, um, you know, banging some baseball bats on some plexiglass, some hockey boards, um, I can't think of anything that's more WWE than that. It's just really frustrating that we're having to have that conversation now.
this stuff, like, WWE should be ashamed of themselves. But again, there's plenty of things that WWE should be ashamed for, you know, but they don't care. <laughs> they don't. They've got record profits. They've got record profits. They could not give the, they could not give a fuck at the moment. Um and I say that about the company, not about the wrestlers working for the company. Look, Jackson Riker aside, we'll just get him out of the way right now. Jackson Riker aside, um, there are plenty of people that work for that company that are pushing for social change, that that are supportive of these movements, that um, have been, even within the company, within their own characters, have been trying to, to push uh, for, you know, inclusion and, and cultural awareness and and none of this should reflect on them. None of none of what the company itself is doing should reflect on the people working there. Because um, we all, like everything with WWE, we know where the final yes and the final no always comes from on these things. It comes from Vincent Mann. And who in this world is honestly surprised that Vincent Mann would take one look at Black Lives Matter and would see what I only imagine in his mind he defines as a group of hooligans dressed in all black who think it's really cool to break windows and then flail around with their arms in the air like they're on a TikTok. I'm not that shocked. <sighs> Sorry, I had, that was... I needed to talk about this. I needed to so bad. And, and it was very cathartic. And I'm... You know, I'm... It was a good use of the late night, I will say. And it was a good use of this time that we have together on LGBT in the ring. Um, but we've, we've said what we need to say. We'll leave that where it is for now. Um, and I'm sure that we'll be talking about this at some point down the line. Uh, because that's how these things always go. <sighs> but... Um, there is something really cool and really positive to talk about in the world of pro wrestling as well, and that would be um, Billy Dixon's Paris is Bumping, the uh, event that is going to meld ballroom culture and pro wrestling. It, Billy has a venue. Billy has a date. They, they are going to be recording the show, and it's going to be coming up in September. There's all like Billy's already brought in Lolo from, you know, working together on Butch vs. Gore. Um, we've already seen some category announcements um, for the show, and, and all around it's just been super exciting, and, and I really think that it has a, uh, the potential to be another revolutionary step in uh, not just like LGBTQ representation in pro wrestling, but just the evolution of pro wrestling, the I changing the ideas of what pro wrestling can be and how it interacts with other forms of of art and expression in that way, and and I'm super excited about it, and and not just because uh, the show is coming out, but because next week on this very show, Billy Dixon is going to be our guest, um, and he we're going to talk all about Paris is Burning and and get some some of the the uh, yummy info about that event coming up, um, and and I can't wait. I always love talking to Billy. Um, 
but yeah, like that's a really good positive uh, thing to look forward to coming out of what I assume has probably been one of my more um, exasperated and angry uh, solo talking bits on this show ever. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's <sighs> it's so bad. It's so bad. But we'll leave, we're going to leave the bad in the past. we got Billy Dixon coming up next week, and um, that's where we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it on the posse. We're going to leave it on Billy, and we're going to have a good little kiki next week, and it's going to be rad. Um, but for this week, we are going to say goodbye. Uh, but of course, but first, before we go, well, before we go, <laughs> um, we have to say thank you to some people that make this show as awesome as it is for all of you. Uh, first off, the Progress Pride Flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And of course, a big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You know, we'll throw it in there. We'll, you can follow Outsports on Twitter, at Outsports. Um, always uh, fun content. We have a lot of good stuff coming out in the past couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm very happy about it. Uh, the piece I did on the World Gate Boxing Championships has been, I think, been resonating really well with a lot of people, and, and that was an awesome uh, story to work on. Martin was a great conversation. I suggest you go read that article. It was a lot of uh, fun. Awesome idea as well. Um, and then, of course, if you are into video games, I also uh, co-host a video game news podcast called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Uh, I co-host that alongside a couple of my good friends, uh, Travis and uh, uh, Lindsay. They're both Twitch streamers. And uh, we get together every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment, Sun Light the Star. Um, and we just go through the week's gaming news. Um, I know we took this week off because uh, we've all been swamped with stuff, whether it be you know personal-wise or professional-wise. There's just been a lot of it on everybody's plate, so we took the week off. We'll be back next week, though, because we got a full slate of stuff to talk about there. But um, it's just a good little af- afternoon slash evening. It's afternoon for me, evening for, for them, where we just take a couple hours to talk about the, the week's gaming news, break things down, have some fun while also trying to be analytical and, and critical where we need to be of issues within the video game sphere. So check that out. Every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, twitch.tv slash deadsonentertainment. Um, and yeah, I think that uh, just about does it for us here this week on the show. Um... Come back next week. We're going to talk to Billy, and it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot more fun than talking about Retribution. Let me promise you, a whole lot more fun than talking about Retribution. (laughs) Uh, But until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. And always know that the commissioner is doing a great job. See me to deal with the demon so a lover can live When the moon is high and the devil is shot Stick, it's the formula 666